Are you ready to make the door swing, the phone ring, and the tail ding? One of the best kept secrets in any community is its network of local businesses. Businesses that rely on local customers, foot traffic, and phone calls. Those same businesses that support your kids' sport teams, donate to fundraising efforts, and supply the cold bevies on a hot summer afternoon. But no more secrets. From the skinny lessons that'll make you wince to the tell-all exposés. These everyday people are doing extraordinary things in their business. Today, we're sharing the secrets of Tommy's Speak Eatery, a relative newcomer on the food scene. Welcome to the secret life of local. I'm your host, Barb McGrath, Google Girl, and founder of the Get Found for Local program. Let's get started. And our guest today is Dan Sellis. He's the owner of one of the hottest spots here in Regina. And I don't just mean because it's 29 degrees outside today. So Dan, take it away. Tell us a little bit about yourself and Tommy's Speak Eatery. So I'm the managing partner of Tommy's Speak Eatery. We uh, opened our doors in the end of uh, 2018. It kind of just gotten our, gotten into our groove, you could say, by the spring of 2020 mm-hmm. and, and uh, we all know what happened in the spring of 2020 <laughs> yeah you know it was kind of one of those moments where you would put uh, a lot of work in and you start seeing everything going the right way and you know you're getting excited and like the hard work starting to pay off and then all of a sudden you know everyone's saying oh it's nothing it's nothing and then all very much it is a very big something exactly remember those early covid conversations oh it's just the flu oh Oh, yeah it's just a cold right yeah like it it was pretty it was pretty interesting and i mean i don't think any of us had any idea what we were in for i mean i didn't have any idea what i was in for when i got into Mm -hmm. the business either i don't think exactly uh (laughs) yes and none of us had ever lived through a pandemic there hadn't been one in over 100 years so how could we know but boy, exactly. you know, thanks to social media and everything else, 100 years from now, they'll know what to expect with the <laughs> pandemic, thanks to uh, thanks to our kids. No doubt. So, um, yes. so talk a little bit about how you got into, I guess, both entrepreneurship, but also restaurant entrepreneurship, because that can be particularly challenging. Well, um, I mean, part of it might have been... Uh not knowing what to do with myself in my spare time. So when I guess way back when I was going to school, I was going to school full time, working full time. And when I was done school, I kind of was going a little bit crazy, not knowing what to do mm-hmm. with my spare time. Spent a bit just building random things in the garage, different projects and got myself uh, a, a job in uh, media sales and consulting like as an account executive kind of thing and ended up my first business investing in uh, a niche market pet store here in Regina Prairie Aquatics ah, where yeah. we do uh, saltwater fish aquariums reptiles so none of your cuddly things none of your dogs or cats but uh, yeah, nothing furry yeah exactly just the tarantulas uh, exactly oh, that's true uh, that's and that would wake me up at night too. So, right. you know. so uh, definitely kind of a little bit of a niche market. And then, you know, mm-hmm. I was working full time and going and building that business, working on that business for a few years. But uh, so, you know, I just couldn't really sit still in my in my spare time. Mm-hmm. And then uh, kind of moved on in my career from the media sales and consulting with uh, the Leader Post. And I was working at Real. Mm-hmm. And uh, it just was not, didn't 
operate at the pace that I was used to. Yeah. Um, so I was looking at just trying to do things a little bit quicker, a little bit faster and work, I guess, more independently. Mm-hmm. And uh, I think maybe I was going a little bit batty there. And I had <laughs> known, I had known uh, some friends of mine, their parents had been in the restaurant industry for, for decades. And I had been talking to them as like some of my clients as for marketing, advertising and consulting and whatnot. Mm-hmm. And just at the time, right next door to one of their businesses uh, was open for lease. And I kind of joked if they were going to open a bar there and, <laughs> yeah. and, they, and and they were thinking about it at the time. And, you know, one thing led to another and uh, we were looking at doing a completely different thing, which would be uh, Gringo's Tacos, which now is kind of a ghost kitchen. We run out of Tommy's, but that was oh. the original thing that okay. we were looking to do. Mm-hmm. But uh, kind of, well, we actually had made some, offers to lease and you know we we're getting quite far down that road but then mm-hmm. some of the partners were like you know before we start doing something new we have a project here that we're doing that's not going as we'd like it to okay. and let's fix what we've got before we start anything new kind of thing yeah and that makes a lot of sense doesn't it oh well, yeah you know you get uh i think pro- probably you know given covid and how many businesses that they had to worry about then Mm-hmm. Um, to have one less in the end was probably <laughs> yeah, probably, probably pretty good. Exactly, so saw, a blessing in disguise. For sure. So you know, sometimes it's good to not bite off more than you can chew. Because I know some of my partners there, well, one of them in particular, like in a week, it looked like he had aged 10, 15 years, oh, just God. like just with the stress of everything in those first couple of weeks in March mm-hmm. 2020, and like the uncertainty of everything, right? And just trying to, yeah. who do we keep employed? Who don't we? But uh, anyways. Yeah. Um, and those those were brutal, hard decisions for, for business owners. And and those are the kind of things that, you know, we all, we all knew it was happening, but we don't talk about a lot. And it wasn't that small business didn't want to keep their employees. They didn't have a choice. Like they're literally, their doors were closed and they were closed for an indefinite period of time. What do you do? You can't pay a server when there's no serving to be done. 100% that I'd heard, like there were a lot of folks in our communities that paid staff out of their own savings or took Mm -hmm. out loans for their businesses and paid their staff out of that. And, you know, there's only so much that uh, that people can can do. do. Yep. 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 And every business is different. If you have one or two staff and you can help them along, that's a totally different thing. And if you've got a team of, you know, 20 because you've got five different locations or five different restaurants, right? And so the scope and the magnitude really changes. So let's not go down the COVID path because hopefully we're looking at the That's backside over. of COVID. Yep. <laughs> uh, you know, I'm hearing some kind of ugly rumors here about the fall and what we might expect, but that's okay. We're not there yet. I'm not going to talk right. about it. So for right now, <laughs> I'm putting my rose-colored glasses on. And so tell me what's different about Tommy's. I know you guys are so Saskatchewan-focused, Saskatchewan-based, Saskatchewan-taste. So tell me about that. Well, we definitely try to do a lot of things different like um from like just the way our our team operates to the way i manage to the way we build our menu and support local like mm-hmm. i mean supporting local has been a big thing it's helped us out kept us in in business so we've made sure that we're doing the same thing so every single beer that we have on tap it, 
at Tommy's is made in Saskatchewan. That's mm-hmm. it. That's all. Yep. Definitely have some folks come in, try to get on our taps. And I just tell them, you know, open up yeah. a brewery in Saskatchewan or open one back up or what have you. Yeah. And you know, and, uh, then, then maybe we can talk, mm-hmm. but, uh, we do the same thing with, um, our menu as well as the as much as we can like all saskatchewan pork that's actually the pork industry here in saskatchewan is fantastic it is um the beef industry of course as well and so a lot lot of saskatchewan beef saskatchewan pork as much as we can um even i guess a little bit of an oxymoron but farmed wild boar Mm -hmm. (laughs) if you will like you know we got that on our menu as well and uh i've never eaten that so wait a second hold on back up wild boar so what like what's actually on your menu that has wild boar in it um so we have our wild boar chorizo which is one of our tacos okay and then we also will rotate some wild boar in on for different features and will be also included on our fall menu that we're uh working to put together right now because of course that's just around the corner mm-hmm. no 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 fall is still a long <laughs> way away <laughs> that's how to, that's what i'd I'm like to think to too I gotta... <laughs> right i hear that you got the the halloween decorations for sale christmas decorations for sale it drives me kind of bonkers i just want to not pay attention to that not listen to the back to school ads etc yeah <laughs> <laughs> i so hear you okay so that sounds kind of cool but just tell me a little bit about uh, the, the producers, like, is, is that a big production item here in the province? Cause I don't think I've ever heard that before. Honestly, it, it can be uh, a little bit more difficult to get your hands on. Cause of course, just kind of the way that distribution networks work, even if something's made in Saskatchewan processed in Saskatchewan, sometimes it doesn't necessarily mean you can, uh, just lickety split, get it from a supplier here in Saskatchewan. So mm-hmm. sometimes we got to ask our own suppliers to get to work for us and see what they can find for, for us. Um, but uh, they, they've been great that way. And I mean, even when it comes down to uh, some of the few items that we don't make entirely from scratch ourselves, we're able to get from uh, plants that process up in Saskatoon and whatnot. Mm-hmm. So Very there's actually cool. a... Yeah, very cool. Well, a little known fact, of course, when you and I were emailing back and forth uh, to set up today's episode, uh, I was teasing you and said, oh, yeah, we're planning to come there the one afternoon and we never ended up making it. But uh, I said to my husband just before we started today, uh, because he's uh, home with me right now too, working, and (laughs) I said to him, we're going to that patio today. No questions asked. We're getting on our bike. We're going. Because then we're heading up to the lake for a few days. So nice. Yes. Looking forward to it. Very much so. Yeah. And just a gorgeous day. We're just so lucky to get this today finally. Exactly. And going back to what I said earlier, the kids can't come. And I'm okay with that. (laughs) It's kind of nice. A lot um people have an excuse to kind of leave them at home or drop them off at the parents, grandparents, Mm -hmm. or whatever it might be. You know, it's funny. When your kids are little, you're like, oh, I have to take them everywhere. You need the babysitter. It's a ton of work. I get it. They're teenagers. They want nothing to do with you anyway. It's like, (laughs) stay home, watch TV, make popcorn for supper. We'll show up in a couple of hours. Uh, You know, we'll try and figure out how to get a pizza home on our bike and we'll see you then. (laughs) There you go. Yeah. So unfortunately, yeah, no miners inside or on the patio, but we can have 
all the pupper dogs that you'd like on Ooh. on the patio. So they're definitely welcome as long as, you know, they're on a leash and reasonably well behaved. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. So let's talk a little bit about your fall menu. Uh, by the time our listeners have a chance to tune into this episode, it'll be either early fall or well, no, I guess fall doesn't actually start till like September. Anyway, it'll be later. Let's just go with that. <laughs> so let's talk about this fall menu. What can we expect to see? Well, like I was saying, uh, we're going to be bringing um, our wild boar, I guess, wild boar pork belly, if you could call it that, okay. and make, a, as our chef calls it, a borchetta. So, <laughs> awesome. so like, Love you know, porchetta, but borchetta is what he's calling it. And we did it as a feature here in the summer, and it went over pretty good. Mm-hmm. So we're going to be uh, bringing that back for the fall. Um, we're going to be expanding on our pasta menu. So of course, all house-made noodles and homemade sauces in the works. Mm-hmm. And we're going to be doing a take on an, an uh, what's called a Capone's, Al Capone's spaghetti, ah, which was very uh, you know, cool. So following our uh, prohibition theme that we've got for Tommy's Peak Eatery, mm-hmm. we're going to be kind of leaning on that a bit. And so I guess the Capone family had their own uh, family recipe. Okay. Which is essentially kind of like a walnut uh, pesto versus pine nuts, if you will. Mm-hmm. So we're going to give that a go, see how that how that goes this fall. Okay. And uh, also going to be bringing back um, some of the original menu items that we uh, launched with back in 2018 that uh, uh-huh. I guess got the chop during COVID because it just didn't just didn't work couldn't do it during those times. So yeah. there are some there are some things that we did before that are going to be uh, coming back uh, hopefully better than ever. Very cool. Um, were you a foodie before you got into this business? Um, a little bit. Um, I was lucky. I was lucky enough to work under some really good chefs here in Regina when I was younger, like mm-hmm. nineteen to twenty-two. Okay. At a few different spots, uh, Murray McDonald, Dan Taylor, a couple of a couple of names some people would know. Steve Barzan, mm-hmm. really good. Some really good folks, great teachers, and uh, they just kind of set a higher bar of ex- an expectation and both the like food quality and execution. And I guess just taking some extra pride in your work and how you run a kitchen and a restaurant and whatnot. Yeah. So that, that really stuck with me. And it was always something when I was like 1920 that I had this dream that I'd wanted to do a restaurant, but I, I that was like the only way I could, I could justify it though, is if I had a piece of the pie, so to speak. Yeah. Yeah, no, I totally get that. So when you look at that that evolution or that transition for you, you went from that corporate gig that I always like to say, my mom and dad expected the corporate gig. And so I did what mom and dad expected for too many years. And now I'm doing what I expect. Uh, and so I've never looked back. But when you when you look at that transition from corporate to entrepreneurialism, which is the longest word possible to say in a podcast. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Talk a little bit about that because there was no guaranteed paycheck. Now you'd been in sales. So, you know, your paychecks were a little bit variable before, I suppose. But how did you make that leap? How did that go for you? Oh man. Um, (laughs) Well, I guess it was, it was a little easier because like I had mentioned, I was pretty frustrated like with where I was at at the time. I was kind of in one of these, you're part of the management team situation things. So we're just going to 
call you up to do whatever, whenever, without yep. necessarily a plan. But anyways, I digress from that. I just could take it, I guess you could say. And mm-hmm. I was ready to pretty much do anything. Okay. You yep. know, just kind of anything to be my own boss and not have my time wasted. I mean, I can waste my own time. I just don't like when other people waste it. If exactly. That's I, that is like, so you know? <laughs> true. I can waste hours you know, on a social media post, on a short form video, like I can waste hours. But if somebody else was making me waste that time, it would drive me nuts. I hear yeah, you. So, I, so I couldn't even, I just couldn't. Like I couldn't even, as they say. Yeah. Um, so I, like I mentioned, I knew some folks and kind of just one conversation led to another. And eventually I was like, okay, this is what I'm doing. And I guess, you know, when you're discontent with some things, it's a lot easier to do that. But I'm also... I guess, you know, as a little bit of a younger person, not totally risk averse at this juncture, mm-hmm. particularly yeah. then. So I was willing to uh, take my shot, Yeah, uh, I guess. Exactly. And I'll never forget kind of the first day, though, or like, you know, when it's kind of like sinking in that this is going to be real or this is real. Maybe it was like my first week hey. kind of thing back in the restaurant industry after probably 10 years of nothing to do with the restaurant industry at all. And like sitting on the couch and like watching TV and I swear I could just feel my brain like rewiring itself. Oh, no, like, like, and like, it was just like, okay, all the stuff that you like, you know, it's been processing on the back burner, like clients and numbers and projections, commissions, all of that, just like push that off the shelf. And now we're going to refill this a bunch of other stuff. Like, I don't know. Maybe it was just the stress, but it literally felt like my brain was just rewiring itself. It was the weirdest thing. Yeah. Maybe a little bit of terror as well. But <laughs> I suppose, hey. But you know, there's, there's, it's amazing to me how quickly your brain can shut one thing off and then pick the next thing up, right? Like just without missing a beat. It's like tomorrow I wake up and now I'm a restaurant owner. So these are the things I need to do. Right. And, Absolutely. and, and restaurant business is hard at the best of times. Margins are thin. Uh, I know, uh, I used to work for tourism, Saskatchewan. And so we had one CEO who was just, there was probably multiple CEOs for who were fantastic, but one in particular that I'm thinking of. And, um, he had been in hotels and food and beverage for years. And he got talking one day about how slim margins can be. Uh, and it was totally eye-opening for me, totally eye-opening because you look at a $25 meal and you think, oh my God, like that's huge. Well, you got to pay for all of the utilities and you got to pay for all of the staff and you got to pay for all of the supplies that went into making it. And you got to pay for what it costs to actually get all of those supplies to this location and, 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 and it's like, oh yeah. Okay. Definitely 25 bucks for burgers. Not that bad after all. Yeah, the soap to the garbage bags to everything, you know. Yep. It's all built into that one price. There's no other. Yeah. There's no other source, really, right? Yeah. So I don't know if you can talk about this, but this is just something I've always been curious about. When you guys are putting prices to items, obviously, uh, you know, you have to have a pretty good idea what your overhead is. Do you do you look at a menu item and know that you need to add 20, 30, 40 percent to your supply cost? Uh, do you ballpark know your supply costs going in? Like how do prices evolve and how do you, how do you land on that right price? 
right now it's a little bit more interesting than probably ever because with yeah. the inflation, uh, like talking to some of my business partners that own other restaurants, it's mm-hmm. like menu prices are going up 5% every three months. Whereas, yeah. like, you know, it might, might have been like 50 cents at a time now 5% and if you're selling menu items that are 20 plus dollars sometimes it starts to Mm -hmm. add up pretty quickly and then of course the other challenges on the flip side is trying to keep your costs as low as possible or totally removing some stuff from your menu because you can't charge what you need to charge to make that a viable menu item right exactly because nobody will order it yep so then it's just sitting there and it's going nowhere and and the food quality drops and of course Mm -hmm. so you you can't do that. So we used to do that a lot with the lamb. We were really pushing lamb a lot on our menu with in tacos and features and whatnot. And it started to take off. And now, well, the price of lamb has taken off. So yep. <laughs> no more lamb on the menu. Yeah. But, and uh, if, if you're the kind of person who pays any attention <clears throat> when you're grocery shopping and stuff like that, <clears throat> excuse me, um, if you're the kind of person that pays any attention to those prices, they go up right now and then they come back down and they go up and they come back down. And so there's this this um, rebalancing that's happening, I think across the board, but definitely anywhere in that food industry where some of it is sellers figuring out where that right price is. Some is simply supply and demand. The demand goes up, the supply hasn't, right? And so you've got to be able to make your mark up there. It's, uh, absolutely. Um, pricing. So like- Pricing in general as an industry is just fascinating for anyone who who understands it and studies it. Exactly. Agreed. Like, so in the restaurant industry, like traditionally, I guess, like, I mean, in a very wide generalization, you'd be looking at like a 30% food cost, a 30% labor cost, Mm -hmm. and then the rest of all your overheads and all like your counting fees the works, processing fees, the processing fees that you're charged on collecting taxes, the works is going to add up to another 30%. And then, you know, if you're doing everything right, you're left with 10%. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And that's that's your margin, 10%. Yeah. And that exactly. And I mean, and that's kind of in a perfect world. Um, I'm lucky that I've got some really good staff, both in the kitchen and out front and pay them accordingly. So, Mm -hmm. you know, our food, our labor cost is not necessarily in that realm of the textbook yep. number. It's definitely higher, but also we make almost everything from scratch. Yes. And so, so it takes longer. People don't, so, so it, don't take, don't take that into account because when you, all you have to do is unfreeze something or defrost it, right? Cook it up, warm it up and serve it. Like that takes nothing. But when yeah, something is, like, is made fresh, game changer. Exactly. So while I, I'll run a little bit of a higher labor cost, so then I target a lower food cost to balance it out. Mm-hmm. So as opposed to a lot of places, at least as far as franchises go, um, a lot of the American ones, it's frozen in a box off a truck and then straight into a deep fryer, or straight into a microwave. Mm-hmm. There are restaurants in the city with like eight or 10 microwaves in the kitchen and it's doing... <sighs> And they're doing most of it. And mm-hmm. and uh, it's just uh, the kind of thing that, uh, you know, when you take pride in what you're doing that you don't want to do. Like, oh, I don't know. exactly. <laughs> right? Exactly. And, and you can pay the same price sometimes to go to a place where you're going to microwave pasta and you're going to pay the same price somewhere else where it's made from scratch. But 
you don't necessarily know that as a, as a consumer. <laughs> and that's just it. Consumers don't know. One of the things that I find really interesting is if you look at the food landscape uh, here in Regina or Saskatchewan as a whole, it's really changed in the last 10 years. So every restaurant used to be burger and fries, chips and fries, whatever. Where now, like every menu, um, I won't say every, menus in so many places are unique. They offer Saskatchewan flavor. They offer, you know, flavors from different countries. They offer vegetarian. Like the, the menus and the flavors have just changed so drastically. Do you think that that has you know, really driven interest in terms of consumers eating out more, ordering, you know, to go more? Do you think it's driven the industry in the right direction? Well, I would, I think so and hope so. Mm -hmm. I mean, Regina has one of the highest per capitas of like restaurants to population of pretty much anywhere. Um, And definitely having more international flavors on a menu seems to be, uh, a big driver of interest, right? So, and I mean, yeah. both for the consumer, but also I'd say for my team in the kitchen. Yeah. Um, for the guys in the kitchen, it gives them a little bit more of an opportunity to uh, be more creative. Mm-hmm. You know, like not necessarily we've got the uh, most wild palates here in Saskatchewan, but you know, yeah. there are there are enough foodies in town that you can do something out of the box that people maybe haven't heard of, but they're gonna be like, you know what? That's not just another burger or whatever. It's not yeah. just fish and chips and like which we do and we got that covered but if you want something that's going to be unique Mm -hmm. very unique you can stop in on the weekend and have something that we're only going to likely have that one weekend and that's it exactly and our chef will talk to me about something and i'll be like i have no idea what you just said but let's (laughs) let's go with it this is why you're the guy exactly (laughs) this is why you do what you do all right we are almost out of time today but before i let you go uh, I need you to tell me what would someone someone Google to actually find Tommy's Speak Eatery? How do we find you? You can uh, Google Tommy's Regina, Tommy's Speak Eatery, Tommy's Speak Easy. I've seen show up on our little Google reports of what people are looking for, but definitely Tommy's Regina. And uh, you're not going to want to show up at the barbershop Tommy Guns. No. <laughs> exactly. All right. Well, Dan, thank you very much for joining me this afternoon. Uh, It was a real pleasure hearing about the menu. And as I said, I'm literally counting down the hours on the clock. I have one hour and 40 minutes to go until I can be (laughs) on that patio. So if you're around this afternoon, do pop out and say hi. We will be on the patio. I'll be the one in the sun. My husband will be the one under the umbrella. (laughs) (laughs) Sounds great. Awesome. On that note, if you want to sell your story, then you need to tell your story. And there's no better place to start than being a guest on The Secret Life of Local. If you'd like to be a guest, email me at barb at abovethefold.live or reach out on our Facebook and Instagram pages at abovethefoldca. I'm your host, Barb McGrath, Google Girl, and founder of the Get Found for Local program. Remember, you worked hard for your success. Don't keep it a secret. Bye for now.